You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, and today on the show with me, I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Barry. We have a lot to do today, as always. As, of course, we'll take your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line throughout the show. But we also have uh, Britt Bowen, who will join us at 4.30. He will talk all things Auburn softball and the SEC softball tournament as they get ready to rock tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. in Fayetteville, Arkansas. First game of the day. They know who they will play. They will not play six-seeded LSU. They lost to 11-seeded Ole Miss today. We'll talk a little bit about that with Britt and what that might mean for Auburn's chances both in the SEC tournament and also their chances of hosting in a regional. So we'll talk all about that with him. Of course, we'll update you on any and all Auburn news, although there has not been much since we've last been on the airwaves. And we'll talk some Atlanta Braves and a bunch of other things today on the show. Of course, again, as I mentioned, you can join us on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Birthdays and sports, nightly TV guide as always. Auburn baseball did not end up playing a baseball game last night. That game got delayed as we were going off air. And not too far after that, uh, the bottom completely fell out, and they did not end up uh, even playing last night against Sanford. So no midweek game, and I highly doubt that one will be made up. So uh, no Auburn baseball in the midweek. Might be a good thing since they've got a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series this weekend uh, at Ole Miss. Okay, so we will have a lot to go through today ryan cam and tom with you here this afternoon we'll start with tom tom how are you doing sir oh i'm doing great and uh, yeah i i guess i guess you know with auburn i guess no news uh, no news is good news i mean there's nothing yeah. bad going on anyway could be tuscaloosa where there's well seems like there's always something bad going on wow a shot a good four <laughs> minutes in there we go hey, why not <laughs> hey they've done it to themselves so but uh yeah i mean just uh Good, good day, and no, yeah. I mean, just really not a lot to talk about uh, Auburn wise. I mean, there's obviously other stuff going on around the, in the world of sports that we can get into, but uh, very quiet on the Auburn front. It has been, and of course, Cam Berry also on the show today, so we'll get some thoughts from Cam on some of the week's events. But uh, how has your week been going so far? Pretty good. I'm I'm currently surviving, and I will leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, doing really good. Just, um, yeah, you know, slow day to day, but, uh, you know, uh, did hear about, you know, Alan, Alan Flanagan and his grad transfer stuff and, you know, hate to lose him, but also, I mean, we kind of all predicted that that was probably going to happen, that he wasn't going to stay at Auburn. Uh, dad wasn't here anymore. And, and so it's kind of looking like maybe 
he might be going to Ole Miss. So uh, that's tough. Just if you're Auburn, you really now you really really got to find another guy that can fit in that three. So um, you know, Tyron Lawrence uh, is is really the major push. It seems like hopefully he'll commit soon. Um, it's, it's looking like him to UGA has really cooled all the way off because UGA had another guy commit the other day that um, took all, took the last scholarship. So so UGA has no more scholarships. Um, saw that Memphis was going to try and get uh, Lawrence in there uh, Van, um, uh, for a visit maybe. Uh, Vanderbilt uh, is obviously trying to get him back, but uh, the, for him I think the issue is, is NIL over there. Um, and uh, and then you know he didn't get invited to the uh, to the combine um, to the to the NBA um, draft combine, so he's he's not going to be participating in that. So pro doesn't look too too likely at this point right now. So just waiting on his decision, maybe to just come you know come to Auburn or go back to Vanderbilt, maybe I guess maybe Memphis, but it really seems like it's between Auburn and and Vanderbilt um, returning back to Vanderbilt at this point. Uh, so you really got to land that guy. You, you got to get somebody because Flanagan, you know, he he played really, really solid defense, um, was a, a solid offensive piece, especially towards the end of the season last season. Um, and so you're going to need to re- replace some of that productivity uh, if you're Auburn and, and Bruce Pearl. So uh, just you just got to keep up with it and keep your eye on it. But other than that, yeah, I'm, I've been doing good. It's a good, good week and uh, ready to – continue to talk a bunch of other stuff with you guys let's do start with basketball because i guess the most relevant news maybe the only news that uh, pertain much to what auburn has going on with uh, their roster management both in football and basketball uh, was in basketball last night you just alluded to it uh, from tyron lawrence's perspective but also uh found out that janai broom and jalen williams will officially not be going uh, to the NBA Combine either when right. the, with the whole list uh, officially out there. We speculated that would probably be the case, but you've got to wonder uh, just before it comes out if there is any late movement for certain guys to be able to get momentum and work their way into the Combine. Now that Janai Broom and Jay Williams know they're not going to the Combine, it's going to be very difficult uh, to, to find any sort of way to, to jump up boards the way they would need to to get into the second round and be able to be draftable uh, because a lot of guys go to the combat. I think probably 60 yeah, to 70. A, I mean, it's, it's a 60, it, 65 it, guys. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a whole draft worth of guys. And yep. so if you're not in there, then, then yeah, you are not slated yeah, as of right now to be picked. They really don't so, consider you. Yeah. So when we th- consider Auburn's current roster status, and, we, and we've, we've talked a lot about it because of the Alan Flanagan departure, again, a lot of people not too surprised by it, but at the same time waited a longer period of time, so you never knew uh, for sure. So with him gone, we had this conversation yesterday a little bit. What is the bigger need for what Auburn is trying to accomplish in the portal would they would should they be best player available at this point or should they go the route of uh the best the the biggest need because there is a guy in the portal yesterday uh that started to get a little buzz again uh in the formal guy in the form of andrew taylor 20 point score uh out of marshall but again more of a guard he's 6-3 uh tyron lawrence is also more of a guard at 6-4 uh should Auburn be targeting the best player on the board, or should they be targeting the biggest need on the board, which is more of a six-six to six-eight type of body 
that can play some three and some four because let me lay out the current roster as it sits. You've got a Holloway-Donaldson combo at point. For now, we're going to continue to assume portal's almost closed here in a few days, but we're going to continue to assume Katie Johnson's still going to be here. So Denver Jones and Katie Johnson at the two. At the three right now, I'm really only seeing Chris Moore, maybe Chaney Johnson if he plays more three, but I think he might be more of a four. We'll see. Uh, And then at the four, of course, you got Jalen Williams. You've got uh, Chaney Johnson. And at the five, you've still got the Broom and Cardwell uh, connection there. Uh, have I left anyone off off of that no. uh, too deep or so? No. So yeah, the the clear hole seems to be at small forward. So right. do you take a guy like Taylor, who scored twenty points a game, kind of similar to Denver Jones, honestly, mm-hmm. similar similar level of basketball? Marshall had been in the same conference up until last year, or do you take a guy that might be deemed a little lesser in the portal? Because you feel that you need another body to be more of a three or four man, right? Um, see, I'm not sure. I, I think at this point, I I just think Bruce is about to start leaning on a lot of three guard lineups. If I'm being honest, it just kind of seems like he's he's picking up more with the guards, and and you know it's unfortunate because you do want that wing, that true you know big wing guy that can kind of defend on the perimeter and kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen, and I don't see Bruce as the type um, to really settle for somebody um, that that maybe might end up working out. I think they'd rather go and stick with who they're comfortable with and maybe add in that extra guard, um, whether it be Lawrence and uh, or um, the, the guy from Marshall, um as well you know you could could work with either go those guys um some definite scores for sure um and and just have a heavy guard rotation which would make the you know it would make obviously it would make auburn a little small um and that could be a concern but i mean you could also i I don't know they've also thought about maybe you could shift Jalen to a three role you could also like you said play cheney uh cheney johnson as as a three as well uh and and kind of maybe work work them around and obviously keep janai as a as a five and and maybe figure something out there um so it, it'll be interesting. I'm not. I'm not sure what he's going to do because that three spot outside of Chris Moore. That's. I mean, that's it. That's really all you got. That's truly a a three that you'd consider. Um, so I. I'm not sure uh, how that's going to end up working out. That's why I think um, Bruce and and I think Bruce is going to lean more on three guard lineups. Honestly, uh, for this upcoming season, at least. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems that way uh, based off what they are are looking at in the portal based on the fact that they did not get uh, Jalen Tyson, based right. on the fact they did not get Matthew Cleveland. Uh, and, you know, they've been swinging and they've started to miss a little bit more often here. They, they had a really good start to the portal process, but still trying to lock in their last the, their last guy or two to this roster. Uh, and, I again, I think it's very important. I mean, you start to break down what this roster is and, and, and what the strengths of it should be. Of course, definitely one of the team that's going to shoot a lot better next year right uh you're still kind of depending so as well you're still depending on and you knew this once wendell green jr transferred you're depending on someone's ceiling uh being met and realized right. between aiden hallway and trey donson you you feel very confident denver jones will be able to score the basketball should be able to be a good shooter you're gonna feel really good about your starting bigs uh, assuming that broom and williams 
are now going to come back because, uh, I mean, those guys were two of your four most productive players. Uh, Broom is pretty good in, in a lot of different areas as a big. Lord forbid he starts to really get consistent with a jump shot, then oh, he's going to be able to have That'll just about trouble. everything there. Uh, Jalen Williams never really feel like he hit his head on the ceiling. It, it felt more of like he was not willing to uh, take as many shots as he could have at times or at least was more willing to spread the wealth out. So it feels like there's still more room to be utilized there if you're Jalen Williams. And and so that part of it looks good. You would just, again, I would, I would caution the depth down low. Uh, really, in general, I could make this not even just about starting small forward. If you want to go three-guard lineup, that's fine. Uh, but if you're you're kind of back up four and fives, yeah. I know Chris Moore and some lineups could play four. Right. Um, obviously, Cardwell again at five. Chaney Johnson coming out of UAH at, a, at some sort of four or three position. Uh, I could make the argument that Auburn probably should consider it another big anyway. I also need to keep track in my head. I think they've now that Flanagan's gone, they have two scholarships remaining. Or am I wrong about that? Because we've only been kind of hit right. three. three scholarships. I, I, was, uh, I, I was, think it's three remaining. Yeah. I'm not sure. Because I'm not sure is Berman getting one. <clears throat> I think I think he's going to. So that that would make it down to two if I'm right. not mistaken. Right. Maybe. And so then, you know, Berman would get it. I think they'd I think he'd give it to one more walk on and then um a, a well, see then that would only be one more. My 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 thing I'm getting at is the possibility that there are two more portal positions here, not just one, right, because right. we're kind of treating it like there's one, mm-hmm. but I want there to be two because I'm, I, I want to have my cake and eat it too. I don't sure. want to say no to someone like Lawrence who can obviously score at the SEC level or someone like Taylor who can score at the college level, period, having scored double figures all four years at Marshall. Uh, but my thing is, as great as that is too, I do want another three to four man I, because I'm not comfortable – Right. To be quite frank with you guys, again, I'm not quite comfortable if my backup bigs are Dylan Cardwell and Chris Moore slash Chaney Johnson. Chaney Johnson might end up working out great, but that's too much of an unknown for me to be like, oh, yeah, they're good on the bench down right, low. They right. got Chaney Johnson. For sure. That That is too much of an unknown, and I kind of know what Cardwell is. I certainly appreciate what Chris Moore is in that he hustles, good energy, does little things well. He can uh, shoot too, man. He really I, I can. think he can, but it's got to be a very good. wide open. It's yeah. got to be a set yeah. open shot. <clears throat> so, yeah. so I, I, I want to see someone else down low because again, you just start to play the depth game, and yeah. there's going to be foul trouble Absolutely. games. There's just going to be games where. Uh, you would be pretty hindered down there if you don't get another another big guy in there. And I, and at one point, Auburn's focus was kind of on that. They did recruit a couple of these backup bigs mm-hmm. from bigger schools that ended up going elsewhere. So that might be on the radar too. But I guess I'm just trying to confirm if 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 there are really two portal spots left or just one, um, because I see both sides of it where you can't say no to someone that's so offensively apt. As what you're, they're right, looking at right. with Lawrence and Taylor, put those together. That's a defensive guy <laughs> in the NFL. Uh, but if you're looking at those two guys yeah, yeah. in basketball, that's a lot of offensive prowess. But at the same time, I can't help but the wonder, you know, if there if there's going to be games where we're next year where we're talking about, well, wow, the they defense, did shoot the ball well, but yeah, they didn't rebound. Stop it. Yeah, you know? I can't rebound. Can't do anything. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying for sure. 
Because, I mean, even this past season, right, Auburn really hinged itself more on its defense, especially at the three-point line. Um, so that that would be a worry. I think Janai is going to be fine holding down the paint. It's just, you're right, a matter of foul trouble, right? Um, Dylan, maybe he goes back to the form where we really liked him a couple years ago, where he was really a, a pretty good really good backup big and a paint protector behind uh uh Kessler that we really liked when he when he came off the bench if he can get back to that then I think uh, I think I'd be a little bit more comfortable with uh with him being the backup big and being fine and not worried about it it's the foul trouble right like 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 you've said it's the fouls if if they get into a game where it's foul troubles and the bigs are just not getting called or the bigs are getting called for stuff like like we've seen in the past uh, and and they struggle, then the depth is definitely just going to become an issue, and then you're you're looking at maybe oh a four guard lineup, and then it's like ah oh, man, <laughs> they're kind of some trouble, and and but I I'm curious to see what Cheney what Cheney Johnson's going to bring, um I I don't know because he could end up being a solid catalyst piece. Um, in terms of adding depth uh, as a big, and he could play multiple positions. So that's going to be something that I think will end up being key, uh, that ability to shift. And then with Chris Moore, um, you know, I, I, I have faith. He was playing really solid basketball at the beginning of the season last year before he got injured, uh, and he was a starter. And so I, you know, obviously Flanagan ended up taking that starting position as the season uh, kind of progressed on, but it was just, I think part of it had to do with more just wasn't able to stay on the floor consistently. So I think with that, um, you know, if he can just stay healthy and, and avoid injury, maybe we see him be a little bit more, um, add that hustle, but add a little bit more into the offensive game, maybe just a tad bit, because I do think his ability to shoot will come in handy. Um, uh, and having all these shooters that we do have, that we have added, um, will, will come in handy as well, just in terms of scoring, but the defense that Chris Moore brings all that stuff, uh, I think it's kind of an intangible. So, um, I have faith that he will kind of take that next step forward for, for Auburn. Well, and, and again, too, like if you, if you know me, you know that I like shooting, you know that I, uh, am a guy that prefers good guard play right. uh, to good big play, I but mean, you need it. But I, I just, I again, I still want in, especially in the college game where the shooting is not as good. Part of the reason some of these uh, professional teams go to small lineups is because they can mismatch yeah, their, their, the uh, someone with, athletic yeah. with someone that's not athletic on the other side. That creates more open jump shots. Well, in the NBA, they almost. <laughs> So many great shooters all yeah. over the place. But in right. college, it's not necessarily that way. So it, it feels like you are more able to play either either part of the equation. I still don't think, as I said many times during the, during the uh, NCAA tournament, I'm still not a huge fan of your best player being a center. That's still not my favorite thing in the world. But it doesn't mean that you can't have really productive rebounders, shot blockers, and some bigs in the college game. And so that's why I just want Auburn to have both bases covered. I prefer them to play a way in which they have a bunch of guards and they shoot, all shoot and, and they do it that way. But I also want them to have the flexibility. I want Again, want to have my cake and eat it too, where if you've got the spots to fill, want to give them another, another swing at someone that, that can play in the post. We're going to take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy. Tim Berry and Tom Peavy. Again, coming up at 4.30, Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn softball, as well as Auburn women's basketball. He'll join us. He'll talk all things SEC softball tournament, what Auburn might need to do to host a regional. But for now, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, um, I know that y'all were talking about like some newcomers that are going to be coming uh, for next year's basketball season to Auburn. And who are those newcomers that are going to be coming to the Plains uh, next year? Yeah, so uh, Denver Jones is already committed to Auburn. He went to Florida International last year, scored 20 points a game in Conference USA. Uh, he is a shooting guard, so he'll be... With Auburn next year, they've also got a kid named Chaney Johnson who went to Alabama Huntsville, so uh, Division what two or three. Uh, he's kind of a small forward slash power forward, six seven guy. Don't really know what to expect from him yet because of the lower level basketball, but but average fourteen or fifteen a game there. And then there's a couple other guys they're recruiting, but but those are the uh, the two main transfer portal guys that they've already gotten. Yeah, so if, if those uh, if those two guys come in for 2024 and 2025, I think Bruce Pearl will have a a big advantage of winning another uh, March Madness tournament sometime in the near future as well, and uh, seeing you know what what it would look like for a rebuild, you know, to hit the reset button on the Auburn men's basketball program as well. Yeah, I think trying to reload here for sure, starting to uh, think about obviously how to make a deeper run into the NCAA tournament. Obviously have not gotten out of the, the first weekend since that Final Four, although that was not too long ago. But uh, still trying to think of ways to uh, improve the program after an okay year last year, and, and we'll see if uh, these guys can help them do it. Yes, as well, and then with um, you know with me actually being a huge Auburn uh, basketball fan as myself, um, where I mean, will Auburn actually have like a tournament during the summer as well, like a like a out of state tournament as well? Yeah, I don't think so this year because usually the NCAA mandates that you can only go overseas like one in every four years or something like that, take a overseas trip or one out every five years. So they won't be doing anything like they did with Israel last year. Yeah, because I know um, I was looking at like. Uh, something that we're like trying to make a trip to like Maui or something like that for like the 2024 uh, Thanksgiving weekend or something like that. I mean, 2023 uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I forget which year they're going to be back in Maui. That's, of course, a regular season tournament, uh, which teams do play in from time to time. I think, I think that's two years off. I could be wrong. Uh, but, yeah, they will be participating in some in-season tournaments, but just nothing in the summer in the coming years. 
Okay, because I know um, I know they used to do them. Uh, I know they used to do it like last year or so. Like they used to go to uh, like some beautiful places. I would love to go with them, you know. And and maybe next year they want to go to Israel. I've never been, but I would like to travel with them to to actually you know support the team as well. And you know just seeing what these really seeing what these guys are really uh, stepping up into as well. Yeah, we shall see. Of course, we just went to Israel last year, so it's going to be a few years before they can go do something like that again. But I know that everyone involved said it was a very special trip, and I'm sure that they want to do something like that again in the future. Yes, as well. And then with the uh, with the uh, NFL season uh, right around the corner, that's going to actually start. I'm actually seeing uh, tomorrow night I'm going to be watching the 2023 um uh, release schedule and seeing what teams I'm looking at to see who's going to make it to the Super Bowl, who's going to make it to the playoffs, and who's going to who who's actually going to win and who's going to lose. Uh, you know, on their on their roster as well. I mean, on their schedule as well. And I'm looking at some uh, overseas kind of games. I know they're going to have like four games back to back, and then they're going to have a couple of games. One will be played in New Year's Eve, and then one will be played on Christmas uh, Day, and the other two uh, games will actually be on uh, Black Friday as well. So those are the uh, main concerns right there that I'm going to be watching as well. Yeah, they've already announced uh, several of their, I think maybe their complete list even of, of overseas games, but of course the league does have uh, weekends that kind of match up with the holiday season with New Year's Eve and, and Christmas Eve and all that. So we'll we'll see what the matchups are on those weekends. And uh, hopefully they release the schedule pretty quickly. I know the show is supposed to be like three hours long tomorrow night, so hopefully it does not actually take them that long to reveal everything. But uh, we are definitely looking forward to it, and I know I'm looking forward to, it to see when I might be going to Tampa this year. Yes, as well. And then um, this coming up August would be a really good uh, matchup that uh, Aaron Rodgers is actually going to be playing in the Hall of Fame game starting in August of this year. And I know he's really excited of playing with his new team as well and uh, seeing, you know, a great team that's going to be played in Tom Benson Stadium up there in Canton, Ohio. It's going to be a really uh, first time that uh, that Aaron Rodgers has ever ever played in a, in a Hall of Fame game up in uh, Canton, Ohio. So that that's going to be a really good thing to see. Uh, you know, to see his uh, talent being displayed in in a stadium that he's going to actually you know be you know maybe in his near future that he's going to get a gold jacket some some point in time in his life in his career. Yeah, I, I definitely think he'll be in the Hall of Fame once he retires. Yeah, the Jets and the Browns will be the Hall of Fame game this year. It'll be interesting to see if he plays, how much he plays, because, of course, it being a preseason game, they don't uh, always play a lot in the preseason. But I would I would think with a new team he would at least play some. But, of course, preseason is a time to get a lot of different guys some reps. So we'll just have to see how that one goes. Yes, as well. And then I'm actually looking at the 2023 Auburn uh, schedule and seeing uh, what uh, Hugh Freeze is actually going to do this year. I might be in person in Jordan-Hare Stadium and uh, seeing some 
some of the new players that that we're actually um, that we're really going to be looking at that I'm going to be really looking at this year as well. Yeah, and Auburn football will have uh, several new players, in, including probably a new quarterback with Peyton Thorne. Expect that he'd have a great opportunity to start. So uh, there'll be a lot of changes, a lot of differences from last year, and uh, trying to rebuild this program. Yes, yeah, so, so, because um, with this program, I, I probably see uh, this program moving really, really um, forward, like moving um, really good and uh, seeing if, uh, if we're actually going to win another national championship and um, bring the ice home to, to Auburn as well. All right, being uh, br- bring those uh, bring those trophies back. We'd love to see that. Yes, as well. And then with the uh, women's softball game that I'm going to be watching and seeing what uh, who, who's actually going to be playing in uh, this year's tournament as well. And I've been looking at the schedule, and I think Auburn is going to win the whole thing as well. We certainly hope so. I think they got. A little bit better chances today after Ole Miss beat LSU, and so that's the 11 seed playing Auburn tomorrow instead of LSU. But we will see, and uh, we know that Maddie Pence is always going to give Auburn a great chance to win. Although she cannot pitch every single inning of the SEC tournament, we do think she'll she'll pitch a lot if uh, if Auburn can keep winning. So we'll we'll uh, we'll be very interested to see if the Tigers can make a run and, and try and win their first conference tournament here in a few years. Yes, as well. And then for the men's baseball team, I don't know if they're uh, going to reschedule the game uh, that was rained out yesterday in Hoover. So if they are going to play a game today, I just wanted to know who would who would be playing in today's game in Hoover, Alabama, as well. Yeah, they, they will not be playing today. That that game will not, uh, to my knowledge, get rescheduled. Their next game will be uh, tomorrow in Oxford, Mississippi, against Ole Miss. Okay, so they'll be playing at home as well. Nope, at, in in Oxford against Ole, at Ole Miss. Okay, so I think that that game would be um, in Oxford. So I think that game will be a really good a good game as well because I know we played against Ole Miss during the regular uh, season, and I'm just gonna see if we're gonna keep uh, if we're gonna keep those bats hot as well. Yeah, those bats have been hot for. Most of conference play, and they've been a very key factor for Auburn winning a lot of these games and, and how they could run rule LSU in game three, and, and hopefully that continues. Do you have any final thoughts for us today, James, before we got to let you go? Um, well, I actually do have my final thought that I would actually see the Los Angeles Lakers tonight win game six tonight. This is going to be a tough, tough game tonight to see. Uh, if LeBron James is actually going to uh, pass, um, you know, the, the the historic record season, and this is going to be a tough, tough game at home. So this is going to be like a game seven for the Los Angeles Lakers, and I think that this game will be one fifteen to one twenty. So 120 as well for the Golden State Warriors and uh, seeing LeBron James actually win his uh, final season as well. All right, so yeah, a lot there. To, uh, first off tonight is Game 5, uh, game, and mm-hmm. it will be in Chase Center in San Francisco, so the Warriors will be the will be the home team. Yeah, game 6 will be in Los Angeles if it's necessary. Obviously the Lakers could win tonight and end the series. If they don't, mm-hmm. then Game 6 will be 
in Los Angeles on Friday night. And then, uh, to our knowledge, this will absolutely not be uh, LeBron's last season. He's going to play uh, and try and play till his son Bronny gets into the NBA. So I expect LeBron to be around even to his age 40 or 41 season. He's 38 right now. So I think LeBron's got a couple more years left at least. And and uh, certainly this is a, a great chance at the title for him. Maybe it's his last best chance. I don't know. But uh, but certainly uh, he, he's going to be still playing for a couple more years. Yes, as well, because um, when when I actually um, look at these uh, last few games, I always uh, – you know, I would say like game five will be like a game six. And I just think that, you know, the way that LeBron James has been playing through his career, it's it's really remarkable to see a great uh, basketball player in LeBron James as well. Yeah, no doubting how well he is aged. He's continued to maintain a high level. He spends a lot of money uh, taking care of himself and his body. I've seen figures that estimate he spends almost $1 million a year to make sure he maintains his body and, and his fitness and, and all that. So he certainly puts a lot of work in, and, and that's why he's able to still be a great player at, at age 38. Yes, as well. And then um, I don't have any uh, hockey news right now, so I'll just have that for you all on tomorrow. And then maybe I'll just probably get like some – uh, NFL uh, schedule trivia as well. NFL schedule trivia tomorrow. Okay, I don't think you've ever requested that one before, but we'll we'll, we'll find a way to do that for you. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take our next time out. When we come back, uh, we'll have birthdays and sports coming up. Start to wrap up hour number one. And we do have, there you go, if you ask, you shall receive. Do have a little more transfer portal news. We'll tell you just who hopped in the transfer portal in basketball that may be of note for Bruce Pearl's Auburn men's basketball team. We'll tell you about that next. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this warm, summer-like Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> it was like 92 when I got in the car. Like Ugh. That's not the actual air temp. I think the air temp is like 87 today maybe at, at its highest. I think it's in the mid-80s now. But uh, the, the dark interior vehicles uh, have a special... <laughs> special place where they get to be 10 degrees hotter than it is outside and uh yeah it's uh it's we're getting there and uh, certainly get some scattered shower and storm activity this time of year too 
But a few minutes left here in our number one. Again, reminder, Brett Bowen coming up at 4.30. Of course, more of your phone calls in hour number two as well. But for now, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today we've got Salvador Perez, who turns 33, current MLB catcher for the Kansas City Royals, seven-time All-Star, 2015 World Series champ, 2015 World Series MVP, two-time All-MLB first team, five-time Gold Glover, four-time Silver Slugger Award winner, 2020 AL Comeback Player of the Year, 2021 MLB Home Runs Leader and AL RBI Leader, 2023 All-World Baseball Classic Team, holds MLB record for most home runs by a catcher in a single season with, I know Cam wrote this, so Tom, what is your educated guess on most home runs in a single season by a catcher? Because the record belongs to Salvador Perez. 32? Much higher. Oh, much higher. 48. 48. 48 for Salvador Perez, who turns 33. Today, Tyus Jones turns 27, current point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, selected 24th overall in the 2015 NBA Draft by the Cleveland Cavaliers out of Duke University, which is the standard. Blue Devils. Was traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves on draft night at Duke. Jones unfortunately won a 2015 NCAA (laughs) championship (laughs) and was unfortunately final four most outstanding player. At least it wasn't Grayson Allen. 2015 AP Honorable Mention All-American and 2015 third-team All-ACC. Tyus Jones, one of the best backup point guards in the NBA. Agreed. Turns it's, 27. Yeah, Could, not the best. Mike, if you had a certain type of team, yeah. warrant him starting with his assistant. Oh, turn, yeah. Turnover Absolutely. And his efficiency. He's a good, he's he good player. He's a very smart basketball player. He is. He turns 27 today. And Tari Eason turns 22. Current power four for the Houston Rockets. Selected 17th overall in the 2022 NBA Draft for the Rockets out of LSU. Go Tigers. <laughs> there you go. 2023 NBA All-Rookie second team selection. You can tell this was written recently because that came yeah. out this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at LSU, Easton was 2022 SEC Sixth Man of the Year and 2022 first team All-SEC. Two second team All-Rookies on the Houston Rockets between him and Jamari Smith. True. Tari Easton turns 22 today. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union, Salvador Perez, 33. Tyus Jones, 27, and Tariq Eason, 22. Short list. Well, you know, sometimes short and sweet. Nice. Yesterday yeah. we had an extended list because not only do we have our birthdays we on the page, we, we, we forgot added, about a couple. We added Lane Kiffin, and then also uh, we had Blaine Childress, yeah. uh, the, the brother of Brooks Monroe Childress. So we had a, a little extra segment there about the birthdays. Again, a few minutes left in this hour. And we want to spend it with the more recent news. Uh, again, thank you for this because uh, there has not been much in the last 24 hours. That's how it's about to be in the summer. We're about to do all kinds of topical lists and wacky Wednesday segments and, and this, that, and the other thing. But we're still trying to keep it going while this portal remains open, at least for basketball. And as football still recruits a couple other guys. But entering the transfer portal today, as in moments ago, is one Julian Phillips, 6'8", 198 forward that played at the University of Tennessee this year. He was a top 
what, 20 recruit, top 30 five, recruit? Five-star. Yeah, five-star guy. Five-star. Uh, that chose Tennessee over the likes of Auburn uh, last year. So as a freshman, averaged about eight and five. Did not shoot the ball well, but again, six eight. And just mentioned the need for someone that's between six six and six Dude, eight. That's insane. So, with that in mind, guys, uh, how interested in Julian Phillips are you? Very. Very. Oh, was Very it that easy, huh? Yes. Big, big deal. Big deal. Little deal. No big deal. Big deal. Big deal. Big deal. Be a huge deal. Need like need. If you're yes. Bruce. <laughs> yeah, I mean, salivating like, right like now. Like a literal position of need that we were just talking about, right? Um, and he plays good defense. Um, obviously, like you said, the, the shooting wasn't great, but that can come along. Um, and maybe it's just because he didn't get enough run uh, and wasn't comfortable enough in the offense. Cool, whatever. Uh, maybe just didn't get enough touches. All right. Well, you'll get some touches here, um, and you'll you'll get some run here for sure. He's extremely athletic. He'll go up and get he'll he'll get some rebounds, and and I mean the the kid can play. So. You know, like you said, he, he was in his high school recruitment. It was between Auburn and, and Tennessee, and uh, he ended up going to Tennessee. Um, and uh, now, you know, if you're Bruce, you're like, well, you picked Tennessee over us. Well, now you get a chance to come to us yeah, again. You so, get a chance to correct what right, you did. Right, And so so um, if, if you're Auburn, this is this is big-time news. This is, a, a, I mean, somebody that you absolutely had traction with as well. Um, so just recreating that uh, relationship um, was told by a friend who works um, with K-State that they're also going to pursue him. Um, I imagine the interest behind. Yeah, him, oh, yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, I just know that in particular K-State because uh, their their small forward um, Keontae Johnson might go pro. I don't, I don't. He, there's a chance he doesn't co- he doesn't come back uh, to Kansas State, so they might have a missing spot there um, at the small forward position. Uh, and they also have his high school coach um, on their staff. Okay, so that that definitely plays that a make some yeah, sense then, that yeah. definitely plays a plays a part. Um, and but still, if you're Auburn, I think you could be a little bit confident um, that you have a chance at, at getting um, at, at getting him. So, so you got to just give it your absolute best shot, especially having missed on all these other threes that you wanted to get, all these other wings that you wanted to get. Um, if you're Auburn, so uh, got to hit it, got to got to hit the nail on the head here. Yeah, I think with this news. Uh, you now get to play a completely different hypothetical game. We just played the hypothetical game of are you okay with three guard lineups where you know your third biggest player six four and then you don't have uh, much much depth down low. Well, now let me just swing the other way, all the way, one eighty. So now you'd look at a lineup. Would you not start both Julian Phillips and Jalen Williams? Yep. Obviously, you keep Brennan yes. there. So now <laughs> Big. you've got three guys that are at least like six seven or or bigger. Uh, now, are you? Do you? Did you want to be smaller? Than that? I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate. If you are you more about the three guards, or is Julian Phillips uh, the right one here for you? I mean, again, top uh, fifteen or twenty player, five star guy. You know, again, offensively was not the best at Tennessee. That's kind of their mo, though. They don't have uh, a lot of guys that really stand out offensively year to year. That's been the struggle of Rick Barnes. Like, if you go to Tennessee, you will play defense, and then. And hopefully they'll you play enough score. offense, kind of yeah. like the Virginia of the right. SEC, yeah. where we're gonna we're gonna recruit defenders first and see if we can figure out enough offense. And <laughs> it's gotten Tennessee to to you know Places. crap out of the tournament a little earlier 
than they prefer in the postseason, but it usually does them well as, as good regular season teams. So it's, they're certainly competitive and, re- uh, and relevant, but they sure. just don't have much March Madness success with, with those right. type of lineups. But and there's no telling where that team last year would have went if Ziegler doesn't get hurt, you know. So that's definitely something to consider. Um, yeah, it was such but, an odd tournament because, yeah, I mean, they was. beat Duke in yeah. round 32. Exactly. Duke was justifiably so, as much as I loathe them, like Good justifiably yeah. a, a favorite to make the Final Four right. with, with the way they had been playing. So they go up and, and, and go to the trouble of beating Duke, and then they lose in the Sweet 16 um, in another shocking upset. And it just was kind of another dumbfounding run there. But So Julian Phillips... Again, the, to put the numbers behind what we're saying, 41% from the floor last year, not awful. It's fine. Maybe a little better for a big is preferred than that. But what really got him was the three-point percentage. He took one and a half a game and shot 23.9%. I think if you are hoping that the shooting will improve uh, in year two, year three, going down the line, you look at the fact they did shoot 82% from the foul line. And so there might be some shooting – uh, left to develop there and again knowing that a lot of Tennessee guys have had trouble with that it stands to reason that it's at least possible that there is some stuff to unlock I don't think you're a finished product in one year of college ball so for all those reasons and more Auburn figures to be interested in the services of Julian Phillips out of Tennessee who did hit transfer portal just about 15 or 20 minutes ago we are out of time for hour number one when we come back in hour number two we're Tyler Ward and Steve will join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We'll also have Britt Bowen of the Auburn Sports Network on at 4.30 to talk Auburn softball. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show right here in Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two starting right now on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, Ryan Boy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here this afternoon. Things have been quite crazy at the SEC softball tournament already today. A 10-inning game to start off with between Ole Miss and LSU, resulting in the upset. 11-seeded Ole Miss will play Auburn tomorrow, not 6-seeded LSU. And now... We had a South Carolina-Texas A&M matchup in the 7-10 game. 
goes 0-0 through seven innings. Then a run in the top half by South Carolina, and it shut the whole thing down. Nope. <laughs> Weather delay. Sheesh. So uh, don't know when they'll get back going there. I, I guess I've got to mention that just in the event something wild happens. Uh, again, Auburn is expected to play 10 a.m. tomorrow, but I suppose, I mean, they've got two more games to go today. I don't know when they would be willing to start the last one. I don't know how long this weather delay will go, but it, I guess it's possible uh, that Auburn could get moved back tomorrow by an hour or two if uh, the weather gets bad and they can't play at all the games today. So we'll see, but uh, just keeping an eye on that, we'll talk about all of it with Mr. Britt Bowen at 4.30 today. But the numbers to call us on the Auburn Bank phone line are 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger Nine. Let's go back to that Auburn Bank phone line. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for asking. Uh, you guys, uh, I think it's uh, Ryan, Tom, and Cam, right? Yes, sir. That is it. Yep. Okay. You guys been uh, staying out of trouble? Nope. Uh, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Okay. Tom, you're supposed to say yes, no matter what. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, then I hope nobody catches you at not uh, you know, doing the right thing then. Oh, I always do the right thing. It's just okay. troublesome at Just times. sometimes it's trouble. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> the right thing is to be troublesome. Yeah. Is, is it trouble with a capital T? Oh, no. It, I, I never get in capital T trouble. <laughs> okay, that's good. All right. So, guys, I enjoyed some of your comments already about the uh, – uh, recruits uh, that uh, we've been striking out on uh, for basketball and I see that uh, we have a bit of a uh, sting uh, basketball wise Mr. Uh, Mitchell Holmes has decided to reclassify himself to 2024 Uh, what do you make of that guys yeah, so, uh, well, I mean, he was he was not committed anywhere yet. It was uh, Auburn. It seemed like the heavy favorite for that. They were trying to get him here on a right. visit. Um, Off the late pickup. Yeah, very late. They would have been a very late pickup to uh, 23. Uh, there are some folks that are reading into the Julian Phillips news at Tennessee and that all happening at the same time that maybe they coincide. I don't know that that's the case, but uh, – but, yeah, Mitchell Holmes is going to be a, a big guy that Auburn was looking at to add to that 23 class, and uh, he has decided to go to prep school uh, and reclassify to 24. So there will be no Mitchell Holmes for the 23 class. Maybe 24. We'll see. Yeah, uh, Nathan King updated about a few minutes ago. He said that, that uh, <coughs> excuse, apparently uh, Holmes plans to still visit uh, Auburn after the death period around between May 18th and 26th. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a guy that you know Bruce Pearl and staff are, are just going to let go. They're going to keep recruiting him. Uh, it just you know for whatever reason he's decided to reclassify to twenty four instead of twenty three. And moving on to Mr. Tyron Lawrence, um, according to Nathan King, as of last night, he still feels like that he's coming to Auburn. You guys have heard anything or read anything differently? Yeah, I, I not uh, I don't think any anything to our, our knowledge. We're, we're not sure. Okay. All right, and uh, you guys, maybe Tom, you might be familiar. There was a sitcom back in the six, late sixties called "Get Smart." It was a comedy. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that old. I'm old, but I'm not that old. Uh, I have it heard was, of it, but it was definitely not anything it, that I. It was a funny sitcom. Anyway, uh, the guy's called Adam Smart. He played a, a detective along with a female uh, partner, and whenever he had to report back to chief to the chief of uh, the police about uh, something that didn't go right, he'd say. Missed it by that much. Well, apparently, 
we missed it by that much making the five-team cutoff for the uh, women's uh, golf tournament. We were four strokes behind. I just saw that. So uh, that was a bit of uh, a disappointment to see that, guys. Um, and the, the people, uh, the teams that made it, I said, wow, uh, Pepperdine, which is a small private college, they were end up being uh, number one. Yeah, I mean, again, the sport of golf, I mean, that, this it's not necessarily going to correlate to uh, the big programs in football and basketball and all those other sort of things. Sometimes they do, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's golf and, and it can be – uh, more opportunities for for smaller teams to focus on that, and I think I think everyone would enjoy playing some golf out in the West Coast where where Pepperdine is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't uh, I don't know exactly their history, but uh, a tough break for Auburn today. They did not play well, obviously, and and uh, then their season is over. Yeah, uh, New Mexico, who was the final uh, the fifth uh, team to make it, they had a total score final score of eight eighty nine. We had eight ninety three. Yep, comes down to just a few strokes at the end of the day. That's how close it was. Uh, the there was an SEC team that made it though, guys. A and M, Texas A and M. Yeah, I didn't know that they were that good. And the other teams are pretty much, I guess, in uh, the Southwest. But uh, SMU made it. And Oklahoma State made it. New Mexico. Yeah, and of course that's just in that one region. I mean, there's there's five or six regions, so we'd have to look at the other regions for everyone else. But yeah, out of that Got region, it. yeah. Okay. And there's an article, guys, but I can't get behind their uh, paywall because uh, I don't want to pay for it. But uh, if you guys have access to it, I'd like to know what the Russ article says. But it's entitled, Participation Trophies are a Fake Crisis. It comes from the Wall Street Journal. And it said, here's the real problem for youth sports. And it's based on a proposed ban on trophies uh, in North Carolina. And the part I could read is by Jason Gay, uh, he, he contends that there's a debate, uh, he says, a debate that's the sillier than the one over participation trophies. trophies. He says uh, that uh, North Carolina, apparently, there's a trio of state politicians, he says, who have introduced legislation to enact a statewide ban on youth sports awards based solely on participation. So I don't know how, what else you know, his bottom line or his position on that is. Have you guys... Um, been familiar with this article? Have you seen it? Read it? Uh, I've seen the headline pop up once or twice, but but I've not read anything extensive on it. Okay, yeah, I just didn't want to go ahead and pay to read the article to get behind their paywall. So I don't know if you guys had um, been able to have access to, to the entire article or not. Nope, same same boat over here. Okay, so your take, guys. Um, would you agree with the headline that it's a fake crisis, participation trophies, or or, or what's your take? I wouldn't call it. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a crisis. So in that sense, it could be a fake crisis. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of participation trophies uh, myself. I mean, I, I, I you know, the, unfortunately, I, I don't want to get too deep into this. It's still it can get uh, into how you raise children and into other other forms here that are that are much deeper than sports. But uh, I, I do think that work ethic should always be celebrated. Uh, but just because you you do something, it, it doesn't mean that you are owed, you know, a, a pat on the back. And, and and I think for these youth sports, you know, sometimes you're you're, you're trying to shape how uh, a kid is going to um, obviously be a, a sportsman, but then also uh, they can they can it can relate to bigger life 
uh, life deals than that. And again, it depends on age too. So I don't know what yeah, age. Yeah, Brian, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I I would say uh, from background psychology that at certain age levels, then I think it's warranted for participation trust because it needs to be fun at a young age. Sure, uh, and, sure. And not uh, not adversarial. So uh, and then I, I bring this. I don't know if you guys saw it, but there was a parent uh, who uh, fist punched. A uh, official at a base a youth baseball uh, game. I don't know. Do you see the video? He just co coxing. Uh, I did not, but uh, that should not be happening. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the parents. They're making these games so uh, adversarial and so you know just you know vicious. You think we're playing for the World Series championship, you know? And uh, that's what you know just appalls me that when we get parents, you know, uh, cursing, you know, not just cursing, but going out into the field and co cocking uh, an umpire, you know, or baseball official on the field. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's certainly not acceptable. I mean, I don't think anyone would would be disagreeing with that. I'm just astonished at that. Okay, with that, guys. Uh, being said, this Ole Miss contender, uh, how much of a challenge should this be for our softball team tomorrow, or not? I mean, obviously they beat LSU, so I mean it's a one-game scenario, and we right. know Tom that says anything can happen. Right. I mean, and Tom's not wrong there. I mean, it is it's a batted ball sport, and we know that there are more random outcomes in this sport than there are uh, in in others due to you know the the physical nature of it not being as relevant and and not mattering as much if you're a good softball or baseball player, uh, but. Is Auburn the better team? Absolutely. Auburn is the better team than Ole Miss. Uh, more times than not, they win against Ole Miss. Uh, but and, and I, I, I would like to. Um, we're going to ask Britt here and see if if he thinks Maddie will throw tomorrow. If Maddie throws tomorrow, uh, well, that was weird. weird where, how I said that tomorrow. Uh, but uh, if uh, if Maddie throws tomorrow, uh, I would be surprised if Auburn lost. That Auburn should absolutely be favored. Uh, but you just never know, and that's why they play it. Yeah, and Phil talked about that day. He said, you know, it's one and done. So he would think that you'd want to pitch, Maddie. Why would you choose not to pitch her? Well, just with the knowledge that the next day's game would be tougher, would be would likely be a right. tougher opponent, and then you would not have her or at least not have her for the full game in all likelihood. I know softball arms can pitch a lot, a lot more than baseball arms, but I don't think that Maddie would go seven innings three straight days. And so – she might pitch in consecutive days, but it probably would not be the full game. So the the, con, the 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 calculus would be: Do you think you could get away with pitching Annabelle or Shelby, still getting the win, and then you have Maddie fully rested uh, for a, a more difficult game the next day, or even would you start one of those two? And if you they can just give you a few innings, and then you bring in Maddie, and then she should still be good to go. Uh, for the next day, so it, 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 it could be viewed upon as being greedy. But I can tell you, LSU didn't pitch their best pitcher today. Uh, that they 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 pitched her in the seventh inning on, but they did not start their senior uh, that would have been considered their ace. She came out on in the seventh, pitched a few shutout innings, then eventually they they gave up the lead in the tenth. But uh, you know, different coaches could have different strategies. I think Auburn would probably still go with Penta tomorrow, but just the argument against it would again be the competition will only get tougher. Now might be the time to throw your two and three pitchers and see if they can get you through it. Oh, so let me throw this real quickly at you. So what about if we don't start Penta and we lose the game? How impactful is that towards 
being a regional host or not. I, I mean, it's potentially impactful. I mean, it, it is. I mean, I think if they if they lose to Ole Miss, then then that would jeopardize it for sure. So, I mean, that's why you could go the other way and say, well, it doesn't matter if Auburn if this hurts Auburn's chances to advance further. You need to make sure you get this one win. And again, Maddie will be able to throw in multiple games. It's not like she's going to pitch one seven-inning game and not be available the rest of the tournament. She would probably still be available the next day, just not to throw all seven innings. So, uh, you know, I, I think, again, I think the decision will be to start Maddie tomorrow. But I'm just saying that if if you did not, the reasons would be you're looking to try and win the whole thing. You're trying to make a deeper run. And you know you're going to have to pitch someone other than Maddie at some point if you're going to win this thing. And so you're trying to do it against a team that's not as likely to be able to hit her as well. Right. All right, real quickly, do we know who our starting pitch is going to be tomorrow for the Ole Miss baseball game? Uh, I, I don't think Auburn baseball has announced that yet. I think if you listen to uh, Kevin Ives on Monday, he thinks that they'll keep Tommy Vale in that second night starting spot and Herber Holt's third, so it might still be bullpen day on on Thursday, but but we'll see. I, I'm I'm not sure. Okay. Hi guys. Thanks for your time as always and appreciate the the, the time that uh, I'm given to ramble. So with that, my time is up. Guys have a safe afternoon and evening and uh, we'll do this again tomorrow. Until then, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Word AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We mentioned, uh, again, real quickly before we take our next break, get to Britt Bowen. We mentioned the transfer portal is coming up. Uh, I think it's like the the 12th or 13th, 14th, somewhere in there, last day to get in the portal. Another forward, which I I have absolutely zero idea if Auburn would be interested in. I could tell you that's someone I'd like them to be interested in. But another forward that would fit the bill, what Auburn needs, just hit the portal in the form of Creighton's Arthur Kaluma. Of course, Creighton was one of the teams to make a pretty big run this year. Uh, Creighton very much had a starting five of all really good basketball players right. and then not much off the bench, but Kaluma was one of them. To give you the details on him, he's a 6'7", 220 forward, averaged 11.8 points, six rebounds a game. Shot 42% from the field, 31% from three, 74% from the foul line. Both years at Creighton, he averaged at least 10 points and five rebounds. Now he's Not hitting bad. the portal. Creighton bled some players there off of a uh, uh, a really successful team. I yeah. mean, uh, R.J. Nimhard hit the portal. Yeah. I, did he go to – He went to Gonzaga. Gonzaga just yeah. like Andrew yeah. did. So <laughs> he went to, went to Gonzaga. Yeah. Uh, again, not going to argue – the, the move there from right, that standpoint. Right. But that I will say this, and I I know this is not going to be too popular with everybody because everyone's all in love with the ability to have player freedom here. But that really sucks for a program like That's Creighton where they, they had a good group of players that all, for, to my knowledge, unless uh, Les Kalkbrenner had to go, I think they all could have come back. I, I know I think, Alexander Nimhard yeah. and Kaluma obviously right, could. Right. Uh, maybe they lost Baylor Shireman no matter what transfer yeah, from she, yeah. South Dakota or South Dakota State, whichever one. Uh, but that sucks for a team like that in this day and age where Creighton is is not. I mean, they're a good basketball program, but they're still not on elite status on like any sort of level. Where like, oh, they're just going to have access to anyone they want. Right. And to have a team make the elite eight and be a really quality team and have a group of guys where at least four of them could come back 
and now they're bleeding those guys into the portal. Man, that sucks. I'm sorry. That is that, very that's, unfortunate. That is unfortunate for them. Uh, that's not going to stop me from saying Auburn should go after these guys. <laughs> you know, go I get them. I mean, I mean, it's the way. It's the it's state the, of play. It's you the can, way of the portal. Right. You, right. you can dislike it all you want, but you got to utilize it to your advantage. Well, because if you don't, somebody else will. Right. Absolutely. So, and so you got to uh, do it. But I wonder. I mean, again, there's no real linkage there. I have no idea in the the opening moments of his portal status if someone from Boston, Massachusetts, who went to uh, Nebraska to play college basketball. I believe Creighton's in Nebraska. It is. Uh, I Omaha. have no. I have no idea. If uh, if he'll want to try and complete the triangle of going from northeast to midwest to the south, uh, but that's the type of player that that Auburn is looking for on the heels of, of Julian Phillips also entering the portal out of Tennessee. Uh, so we'll see. I, I don't I don't know if there'll be interest there or not. But uh, this portal's last few days is kind of like college football. Last few days, a huge rush of decisions here toward the towards the end. Yeah. Uh- We'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of Auburn fans feel confident with Julian Phillips, but there's a lot of other guys to keep an eye on. We, we just don't know what – there's a lot of rumors circulating yep. out there right now. It's uh, Again, Auburn did some work early. They, they got a 20-point yeah, score in the, the guards. Yep. They, uh, they had more clarity because they did say goodbye to Wendell Green Jr. Right. Um, realizing that they're just going to go with the, with the ceiling – Route of, of Donaldson and, and Holloway next year. Uh, they they got a, a depth piece uh, for the power forward position, and then it kind of went quiet. Actually, they lost a few players uh, committed in, in other classes: Phylon and, and Marshall. Maybe Marshall was by design, and uh, then lose Flanagan to the portal. Uh, but now they're trying to rebuild that momentum again. That there are so many. <laughs> So many roster management decisions that you can have multiple ups and downs, many different yep. in one portal cycle, yeah. and that's what I feel. Feel like Auburn got got going going up, then they had a clear down here in the previous couple of weeks, and now I feel like with this momentum of who's getting in the portal this week, they're starting to try and work it's their way back, back up. up the mountain. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it almost makes you wonder if is Bruce Pearl that sneaky that it's like. Yeah, people have been commenting on that, on it, just saying, you know, has he lost his touch? You know, why why are they swinging and missing on some of these guys? You know, what's going on with recruiting? Maybe maybe he knew something all along. Yeah, I again, you never know. Like like we, some of these beat writers know to some degree because they're they're much better plugged in than we are. Uh, but even they, I mean, they're not going to know every single thing that that right. goes on uh, in the inner workings of a program, and especially good recruiting programs where. They're sometimes three steps ahead, and you you mentioned the reclassification of the 2024 and to the another Auburn target there. Yeah. Uh, does that have something to do with this? I don't know. I mean, again, we don't know. Where we are sitting here looking at the chessboard, trying to play the chess, but the real chess is played behind the scenes, right? And you just never know how it all adds up, and sometimes it it, it ends up turning out bad. Like it's you end up miss, you know, have yeah. misinformation, or you just something you thought was sure. going to go your way didn't, and then you look look bad. Well, what what you have to assume when you use that chess analogy is that you know all the writers, uh, you know the the writers. We let's say the beat writers are probably one or two uh, plays ahead of the general fan. 
Well, that's fine. Well, Bruce Pearl is probably five or six ahead of even the beat writers. So, right. I mean, he's playing the chessboard five or six steps ahead of yeah. where the beat writers are. And, you know, we're over, we're over here just like, all right, he moved the pond. Yeah. Right. Okay. He's moved it. He's moved the pond. <laughs> I don't know what else is next. Where's right. the bishop? Right. It's still in place. No idea. What's that knight doing in the corner? <laughs> just watching and waiting. So, let's just say, what if? Julie, yeah. Julie Phillips. Tyron Lawrence, Kobe Brown. There's rumor that Kobe. I told you not to do this. <laughs> I told you, don't say the words Kobe Brown because I'm gonna get way too excited. Because there there are rumors that Kobe Brown will be, enter just, the transfer portal. He has not announced that, but there are rumors. I would think, and I'm not not meaning to be disrespectful. And there I, are rumors that Julian Phillips and Kobe Brown want to play together. I would think if Kobe Brown gets in the portal, he is looking for that big time nil money. That's right. that's the only thing I can think of. Missouri was an improved program under a new coach this year, went to the tourney and all of that. I would think that if he's going somewhere, he's getting a big payday from a big program. Kobe Brown's really freaking good. I'm going to go to break before I, I run out of time <laughs> and we got to get Britt up and I'm getting all worked up. But Kobe Brown is a, is a wing that shot 55% from the floor and 45% from three. You don't get that kind of efficiency in college basketball. Don't make me drool over this guy. We're going. <laughs> but if Kobe Brown hits the portal, I might say the name 37 times in one show. I might try and break a record there. But anyway, we are out of time for this segment. We're going to take our next time out, come back with Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn softball, to preview the SEC softball tournament. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry coming to you live this afternoon on this very warm afternoon. A little less friction in the air than in Fayetteville, Arkansas right now as they continue to be under a weather delay in the second game of the SEC softball tournament. We now go to the Auburn Bank phone line, and we hope someone is avoiding the inclement weather in the form of Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn softball and Auburn women's basketball, joining us on the program today. Britt, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you? Good, sir. Hey, guys, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, man. It's, this is one of the most exciting times of the year for Auburn softball. Absolutely. And, Britt, before we get into all the particulars of the tournament, let's kind of recap how this season has gone for this team, particularly the last few weeks where they've had some very vital uh, SEC series wins dating back to the LSU and Alabama series. What's been the difference for how this, this team kind of turned around just kind of an okay start to SEC play it and made it into something more as they went down the stretch? Well, I think Coach Dean said it best. Um, you look at what this team has done um, since that Oklahoma trip, you know, because you, you got to think back before Oklahoma, Auburn beat a very good Georgia team 6-5, to five, and Auburn led Georgia, who finished second in the SEC, led them all the way through seven innings and allowed Georgia to tie it late and ended up losing by one in the 10th. And so for Auburn, 
you know, like if you put those two weekends back to back, it, it, it was very easy. It would have been very easy to hit the panic button, but credit to those kids in that locker room and that coaching staff for going back to the drawing board and just trying to keep it simple. That trip to Oklahoma really helped this team find their identity and realize what they need to work on. And credit to them. I mean, they came back and they, they swept Missouri, um, took two of three from Ole Miss, went on the road, and, and Florida's just a tough place to play. And then you beat LSU and Alabama, South Carolina, and Mississippi State. Auburn finished the season winning six SEC series. Just remarkable. And my biggest thing for the season going in is, hey, Auburn's got some tough series. For Auburn to get over the hump this year and, and, and be in the conversation to host a regional, which they are now, Auburn's got to find a way to win a couple series that on paper they're probably not supposed to win. For example, LSU and then Alabama, those two series were huge. And then you had to go on the road riding the high from Tuscaloosa, facing a South Carolina team who was picking up momentum at the time. So um, all in all, just proud of this team. They continue to find different ways to win offensively. Obviously, Matty Pence in the circle has been great. But this is not a one-dimensional team, and, and, and that's what's been so exciting is, is different kids, different people have been stepping up for them all throughout the season. And of course, we've got to ask you about Matty Pinson because when you when you start talking Auburn softball, I mean that's the name that comes up first and foremost. Very well, could and should uh, win SEC Pitcher of the Year. She's won the Pitcher of the Week award a record four times in one season. No no player at Auburn had ever done that before. And, and, and despite being excellent before this year, I mean we already knew Maddie was great. She's gotten even better. What are the things that that Coach Steen sees out of her that that uh, makes it, makes her so impressive, and, and what so impresses her uh, or impresses you about her? Well, what impresses me about her, I'll start with that. That's an easy one. Is it's just the the mental toughness that she shows in the circle um, because pitching is hard. She makes it look easy, but pitching is extremely difficult to do it at such a high level and in this conference, let alone against the top talent in the country. And game in and game out, she's in a, a, a close ball game, and she continues to find a way to get it done. How she's gotten mentally tougher from her freshman season through her junior season has just been tremendous. And then for Coach Dean, that's been a big talking point for him. But also for him, he's given Maddie Penta a ton of credit for her showing the initiative to him for wanting to learn how to pitch because she came in her freshman year. She started out great. And then as a lot of pitchers go through, they, she went through some ups and downs in, in the SEC. She went through a learning curve, as, as most players do, right? Well, for Maddie, she, she took that to heart, and she took, a ne- she took the next step forward her sophomore year. She learned from that, and she took an even bigger step forward this year. Her number one thing with Coach Dean that he's been working with her on is developing a different pitch every single year, and she's she's gotten she's gotten all of her pitches better. She can throw any any one of them in any count in any location, and there just aren't a lot of pitchers that can do that. But the one pitch, look, it, it's fun. I love watching Maddie blow it by everybody at 70, 71 miles per hour. It, it, it it's fun for everybody when that happens. But what sets her apart from other people 
is number one, the ability to get ahead, and number two, she's got a changeup that she mixes in, and you never know it's coming. When you're facing 70 and then all of a sudden you get a changeup in the low 50s, high 40s, you can't adjust to it, and no hitter has been able to adjust to it this year. And I've said it a couple times on the broadcast for Maddie. I truly believe the only person that can beat Maddie Pinta is Maddie Pinta. And sure, some hitters put great swings on balls, but you know a lot, a lot of those balls that were left over the plate for for Maddie. If you ask her, they, it, it was a bad location. And and again, credit to the swing, not taking anything away from those hitters. But that's something Maddie Pinta can control. And that's something her and Coach Dean work through. They have a great relationship. And then also, too, <laughs> excuse me, I don't want to discredit Maddie's catchers and Aubrey Lizamy and Aspen Godwin and the work that those kids have done behind the plate, too, because I, I think they deserve some, some credit for her success. So let's talk with this SEC softball tournament, Britt. And we got a bit of a surprise this morning with 11 seeded Ole Miss taking down. LSU in a 10-inning affair. It's already put us well well behind schedule even before the, the weather delay today. So I have this hy- or kind of a hypothetical, but a, a question based off of, of if it was actually a good thing or not that Ole Miss won today. Because from one side of the equation, you can say Auburn's playing the team uh, that is not as formidable as LSU. But we know with Auburn's RPI at 21 right now, yep. they'd really like it to go up, and playing and beating LSU would have been the ultimate way to do that. So how do you kind of look at this conundrum of, yes, Auburn now has a better chance to win maybe tomorrow, but their RPI is really not going to benefit from it? Well, and here's the thing. I, I, I'm of the opinion, regardless of who Auburn plays tomorrow, whether it, whether it had been Ole Miss or LSU, I'm of the opinion you you got to go and beat the number two C Georgia Bulldogs and get to the SEC tournament championship on Saturday. That those are the two things you got to do. I, I think to solidify your chance your chance to host and for Auburn tomorrow. Look in this league, I understand LSU had had a great RPI, and I, I don't know how much one more win tomorrow is going to hurt. And not to mention. Ole Miss's RPI, because they beat LSU, is going to improve because of that win today. So there, so you got to factor that in. But all in all, truthfully, guys, um, I'm here to make a run. This team is here to make a run. And, um, you know, if, if Auburn wins, the RPI will take care of itself. And um, in the way I look at it, tomorrow, hey, Auburn, Auburn knows what they have in Ole Miss. They know what they had in LSU, too, because they play both of these teams. And then, um, you know, depending if South Carolina can hold on and beat Texas A&M, if Auburn gets the winner of Texas – or, excuse me, South Carolina and Georgia on uh, on Friday, well, guess what? Auburn's seen both of those two teams, too. So, um, for Auburn, again, it, it's it's one day at a time, one game at a time. And, you know, it, it's fr- – I used to get – with Coach Dean, jokingly, we used to get frustrated because, again, that, that's his mantra every day. But – that's what that's what's led this team to succeed. And for Auburn tomorrow, they're focused on Ole Miss. Take care of them, move on. But they've got to win. I think that Ryan, is to, to what you're hitting at, I think they have got to make it to to the SEC tournament championship on on Saturday to to stop all that conversation. I'm of the opinion the top three seed in the SEC deserves a chance to host. Um, you go 15 and nine in this league and. You win six series, and you tell me you're not good enough to host a regional is just bonkers. 
to me. But unfortunately, I'm not on the committee. But for Auburn tomorrow, I mean, it may it may sting a little up front if Auburn loses tomorrow. But I mean, regardless, Auburn's got to win too to to take care of business. Yeah, it has been interesting because as uh, as some of the guys and I were looking up earlier today, I mean, LSU, despite finishing sixth in the SEC, has the highest RPI coming into right. play of any SEC team. So obviously they played a robust non-conference schedule. Great. Uh, maybe had one or two extra tough teams in SEC play. But still, it's kind of interesting how all this is shaked out. And, of course, for Auburn's perspective, they did beat LSU. They did beat Alabama. So I know there's going to be some, some posturing there. But obviously, as you're – alluding to winning is the best uh, way to make a case for yourself. So when they try to do that, as they try to get through these, uh, they'd have to win three three ball games. Yeah. What What is the pitching formula like? Obviously, softball different from baseball, where an arm can go multiple times in the same weekend. We've seen Matty Penta do that uh, on full display all SEC season long. So, so what is the right way to try and break up her innings with maybe some innings from either Shelby Lowe or Annabelle Weidra? That's a great question, Ryan. And, and uh, honestly, if if I had to to, to pick now, and well, listen, I, I I'm just guessing. I, I have not asked Coach Cena's pitching plans. Out of respect for him, we don't have that conversation until about an hour before every game, um, because things change, as as you all know, between you know the day before and, and day of, depending on how kids are feeling, how people are throwing, and and all the different variables. I'm of the opinion, just my best guess, and I want to be clear: me making this guess is not telling what, not telling Coach Dean what he should and shouldn't do. This Absolutely, just, just my prediction. I, I, I would like to think if Auburn makes a run in this tournament, we are going to see Matty Penta some way, shape, or form all three days. And if Auburn's got a lead, even in a game where Annabelle and Shelby were to pitch, um, I could see. Maddie, Maddie coming in. I think if, if for Annabelle or Shelby to start, I would maybe expect to see them um, maybe tomorrow and, and not and not Friday, Saturday. Um, but again, I don't know the answer to that. But if if I if I'm having to put all my chips into into one one category, I, I would expect to see Maddie in some form, maybe limited in one of the roles in one of the three games. But I would expect to see her some way, shape, or form in all three days to to make it because with Annabelle, she's giving you everything she's got. And for Shelby, she's done the same thing too. And the one thing about Annabelle and Shelby, I don't want to discredit those kids and what they contributed to this team this year because if you go back and look at the numbers and when they pitch, they have given Auburn legitimate chances to win um, in a lot of their outings in SEC play, the record doesn't indicate it, but we've been in every game. But they, they've given Auburn the chance, and, and credit to the other teams, Auburn's offense for whatever reason just hasn't been clicking that day. And so those are that's something that Auburn's got to get synced up here down the stretch here in the postseason and, and going into the regionals. But for for pitching, I, I, I wish I had I had the clear clear cut plan, but. Tomorrow, hopefully an hour out around 9 a.m. Central Time, we'll we'll get the word from Coach Dean, and and um, I'm I'm excited to see those kids go to work, whoever it may be, because I, I'll say this: I am confident, whether it be Maddie, whether it be Annabelle, or whether it be Shelby. All three kids have the stuff to go out and get a win for us tomorrow. And absolutely, and that's why everyone needs to listen into the pregame show for that uh, pregame interview around uh, 9:45 tomorrow morning. Last question for you. 
Uh, Britt, uh, when we look at the matchup, I know Auburn was going to probably think it would be LSU, but it's going to be Ole Miss. So uh, what are the what's the key thing to watch out for for this game? And we'll go one out. We won't go all the way to the title game. But if it were to be Georgia, obviously that was the first uh, yeah. series of the year. So what, what uh, p- challenges do Ole Miss and Georgia present Auburn if Auburn's able to, to get through a game here? Well, both teams obviously are extremely athletic. Um, Ole Miss, I, I won't dive in too much into the pitching yet because I'm in the process right now as we speak of getting, uh, of getting into my prep for both teams and, and, and their pitchers and trying to figure out who Ole Miss might go with tomorrow because I still don't know the answer to that. But for Ole Miss offensively, one thing they like to do, they're not a big power-hitting team. So for Ole Miss, they're, they are going to play the short game. They're, they're, they're going to move on the base pass. Um, that's something that Auburn's defense tomorrow against Ole Miss, you, you got to have a clean game defensively. The one thing that Coach Dean, if you haven't listened or followed this team this year, his big mantra for, for this team improving this year is the defense has got to get better. Because if you look in the postseason, the teams that make a run to Oklahoma City, maybe excluding o- Oklahoma because they're Oklahoma but the teams that make a run to Oklahoma City are the top defensive teams in their conference. They just don't beat themselves. They don't make mistakes. And to win games, especially in a single elimination tournament, and I don't care what seed you're playing. I know all, Ole Miss is not going to get a lot of credit tomorrow because they're the 11th seed. Ole Miss is very capable of winning. They proved that today. And um, if, if they put the pressure on you, they force LSU into four errors today. That was the big reason Ole Miss won that ball game. Auburn's got to play clean defense, and then for against Georgia, it's plain and simple. Georgia hits home runs. Auburn pitching has got to keep the ball in the ballpark. And again, you got to you got to have clean defense, but also too for for Auburn and, and Auburn's been stellar up and down the lineup, one through nine. Everybody in the starting lineup, regardless of who it is, has come up with a big big clutch hit or two down the stretch in the month of April for Auburn. And that's big because you need that confidence this time of year. The offense has got to be in sync. We all know this time of year you got to score runs to win. And and for Auburn, main thing is, is, is not press. I'm big on this team. When Auburn scores early in games, it sets the tone for the game. And um, and this team, that they just play with that confidence. And if, but, but if they can play clean defense and help their pitchers out, they're going to have a chance to win – uh, tomorrow, and if they get through tomorrow, they'll certainly have a chance to beat a very good Georgia team. I'm excited for this side of the bracket for Auburn because it, it truly, guys, for, for Auburn to make a run, you avoid Tennessee, you avoid Arkansas, the host, not to mention a very good pitcher in, in Montana Fouts on the bottom side of the bracket and, and, and a Florida team that, that you just don't know what you're going to get out of them. They're, they're gritty and, um, and, and nothing against this side of the bracket for Auburn, but having seen Ole Miss, South Carolina, Georgia, I really like Auburn's chances this weekend here in Fayetteville. He's Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn softball and Auburn women's basketball. Britt, give us the broadcast details for tomorrow, and then with your partner, just want to make sure that your uh, your partner in crime is behaving over there in Fayetteville. Listen, he he's behaving. Would you believe that he's rolled over to take a nap? Oh right man, now? I'm here working, and you know I, I I'm wanting to put our two heads together to get ready. But, no, he's had a long day. He's been working um, his full-time job. But, yeah, friends of the program, I know you all know. Uh, <laughs> yes. No one loves J.J. Jackson, the former host of Sports Call. Um, J.J. will be on the call with me tomorrow. We'll be on the air at 945 Central, AuburnTigers.com, um, the Auburn Athletics app, 
and then, of course, right here on Tiger 95.9 FM. And then um, just to set you up for Friday, because we certainly want to call the semifinals, we'll be back at it at 3 o'clock Central on Friday for the 2.45 airtime. And, uh, Ryan, again, want to give a shout-out to, to you, Brooks, Brant, Cam, everybody back at Tiger for what you do for our broadcast, because we aren't able to, to carry our broadcast on your stations without the work you all do. And, and we certainly appreciate you all having us on today to give us a chance to talk about our team. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. We uh, we Much, hope yeah, course, we hope to work not one, not two, but three games yes, throughout sir. this weekend. And, uh, Britt, the time is greatly appreciated. Go get them in Fayetteville. Guys, appreciate it. Love you guys. War Eagle. See you, man. War Eagle. That is Britt Bowen, the voice of Auburn softball and Auburn women's basketball, joining us on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. We are about out of time here uh, in hour number two. Still a lot to come in hour number three. Uh, that SEC softball tournament is getting painfully behind. They've gone into alternate programming. It's just a disaster right uh. now. So hopefully no weather issues uh, this weekend, too. But again, out of time for hour number two. Uh, in hour number three, we'll have much more uh, Auburn-related happenings as well as some Atlanta Braves talk, some bad injury news. We did this a little bit yesterday, but have uh, more clearer details on that. So we'll tell you about that when we come back again. Out of time for hour number two. Stay tuned. More sports call after the timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Appreciate Britt Bowen of the Auburn Sports Network, the voice of Auburn softball and Auburn women's basketball for joining us on the other side of that break. Previewing Auburn softball at the SEC tournament in Fayetteville, Arkansas. They are still under a weather delay, and I keep mentioning that not because Texas A&M and South Carolina have captivated my attention in the sports world. There are other things I yep. care a little more about. But uh, if they continue on like this all night in a weather delay, well, that's certainly going to impact the schedule tomorrow, and Auburn is first up. So really the only way that Auburn's schedule could be impacted is something like this because <laughs> uh, they right. – they would have to get down, get done with the earlier round games first before they moved on to uh, the the quarterfinal round. So again, for now, nine forty five airtime tomorrow morning. 
right here on Tiger 95.9. Britt Bowen, J.J. Jackson on the call of that one. But stay tuned uh, throughout the evening. Keep an eye on the SEC tournament. Make sure they get all the games in tonight because if they don't, that will certainly impact broadcast time tomorrow. All right, hour number three kicking off right now. Let's start with some Atlanta Braves talk. We've talked a lot about the Auburn basketball transfer portal uh, today, if you've missed any of that, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. But wanted to uh, talk some Braves, uh, not just the injuries, although we're going to start there. Yesterday, one of our big deal, little deal, no big deals was the injury of Max Freed. At that time, Tom, we were kind of operating more from the big deal of yep. uh, what could become of the injury if it were to get worse because it's the precursor injury to Tommy John. Yep. Well, now we have specific timetables on this injury via Mark Bowman that Max Freed will be out at least two months. At least. At least. And then also Kyle Wright, who hadn't been pitching quite as well as last year, but early returns. Don't know how it would have gone all year long. He's out two months. Yeah. So all of a sudden, <laughs> the Braves are off to a blazing start. I right. think 25-11 and 11 is the record so far. On pace for like 110 wins, awesome. However, uh, you just watched, uh, just lost two of your three best pitchers, uh, at least from last year, and I think it certainly Freed's still the best. And then Kyle Wright figured to be up there, right behind Strider. I think we got yeah. Freed, Strider, and Kyle Wright. And now you've lost it, them to probably about the All Star break if you're looking at the calendar, at least. So. I'm not phrasing the big deal, little deal, or no big deal question, but, hey, this is indeed a pretty big deal for Atlanta. Yeah, it is. And, uh, yeah, we all said big deal with it last uh, yesterday, and that was, yeah, without knowing anything of what was going on. But you know with a pitcher, if they start having the tightness in the forearm, a lot of times that leads to the elbow. And so, yeah, out two months. Uh, they haven't said exactly what it is. It's just a strain, I guess, is yeah. what they're I saying. Know, okay. yeah. You know yeah. More, yeah. yeah, they said it was just a, a left – left forearm strain um mm. but i i wish i'd have watched this video now definitely but um freed said something um it was like a six minute video that bally uh, uh braves put out um and it was freed and, and a lot of people were quoting it and were saying like all right well this sounds a lot better than having be having to worry and you know potentially the whole tommy john um surgery which freed um already had tommy john surgery so he might yeah uh, way back like 20 right so they're saying like a second tommy john surgery which would be um unfortunate obviously because then he'd be out for the year of course um and and really don't want that so it's sounding like that's avoidable um but two to three months of of freed not you know being in the rotation is big and then you know like you already mentioned not having kyle Wright. that's two out of three of your best pitchers right there uh, so I, I, I do think that this team is good enough to tread water um, yeah. and, and, you know, they'll be able to score. Um, you know, you, you still have Strider, you still have Uncle Charlie, and you still have um, uh, Bryce Elder, who, who's doing right. really well this season so far. So you have those three guys you can still lean on in your pitching rotation. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of the bats at that point to just kind of step up. Uh, when when you get to those bullpen games um, in those you know those two games um, out of the four you know out of the five in your rotation where you're just gonna have to really lean on the offense at that right. point um, you know and hopefully obviously 
trust the pitchers, but still get as many insurance runs as possible uh, will make you feel a lot comfortable um, in your ability to continue to win games and keep the pace until you get these two guys back. Right. Uh, they're starting uh, Dylan Lee Dylan Lee, tonight yeah, is, right. is getting the start against the Red Sox. Uh, injury news, though, you do get Travis Darno back uh, from uh, his time out with the concussion protocol, concussion, whatever. So you're getting a while you're losing two pitchers, you are getting Darno back into the mix now. Um, but yeah, any, anytime you lose one of your top pitchers is really bad. But now you've lost two. Yeah, I, I like treading water. I mean, that just that's, try to try to survive it. Try to survive it through the two months uh, until you can get those guys back. Hopefully, you do get them back. You know, hopefully, there's not something going on there that is going to keep them out for even a longer period of time. But, yeah, Treadwater used that offense. Um, I mean, the offense has been incredible. I think surprisingly incredible considering some of the parts that were gone from last year. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, try just Treadwater, try to get through, for, through these two months and hopefully they get back healthy. And, uh, you know, after that All-Star break, everything that really happens up before the All-Star break, I mean, just kind of puts you in position. But obviously, at post-All-Star break is where – moves have to start being made as far as like uh in the uh division series like you know you want to either stand first or if you're trailing back that's when you start making those moves so uh just get through the two months and be ready to roll after the all-star break almost a quarter of the way through the season uh, of course about 40 games would be the technical quarter Braves have played 36 Braves are fifth in major league baseball in scoring they are third in home runs and then pitching-wise, the Braves have the sixth-best ERA. So despite having the second-best record, they're not really technically top two or three right. in the in the runs and ERA department, but they're just really good in, in really a lot good. of different yeah. categories. Um, the, the timetable for the injury will be interesting. The Braves are off to a tremendous start. Again, we've got a long way to go, and the Mets know all about that from last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Braves interplay right now tonight, seven-and-a-half game lead on the Marlins, who are 18 and 19 and the Phillies and Mets are 17 and 19. They're eight back, and the Nationals are, are just 15 and 21. They don't seem, they will not factor in this year, I don't believe. So they've got a seven and a half to eight game lead on everybody so far. So they've played excellent baseball, but you do figure they'll have to come back down to earth at some point with these injuries. So my question is when you get to the month of July, well, what's also known besides the All Star break about the month of July? At the end of July is the Major League Baseball trading deadline. So. Oh, right. Exactly when do these guys get back? If Do we get to the 1st of July? Kyle Wright might be on the men, but maybe Max Fried is behind schedule and he's not even coming back till August or September at that point. And then is that the clear-cut front runner for what the Braves need to do at the trade deadline? And I think Alex Anthopoulos has continued to do such a tremendous job because he's had to make two of the most difficult decisions that you can make as a GM in every sport or in, in, yeah, in any sport, which is when to say goodbye to franchise cornerstone players. He's had to do right. it in back-to-back years. Of course, the Freeman bit was even harder because Freeman uh, had been the, the best player or second-best player on the team for seven, eight, nine years. Swanson, not as hard from that standpoint, but still a beloved player that had started for you for, for a handful of years, part of a World Series champion team, right. and shortstop being one of the positions that is valued a little more in Major League Baseball, maybe more than a corner outfielder or uh, maybe more than a second baseman. So still having to make very tough decisions, yet turns right around, 
and, and calls up Oakland after both of those instances, gets Matt Olson, gets Sean Murphy, who's on an insane pace awesome. right now yeah. as a catcher. And, and now a that player Darn- of the month, right? right. Yeah. yeah, so now that Darno's back, can can DH him a little bit more often if Darno can stay healthy, and, and that should continue to help Murphy be as good as he's been at the plate. There's a lot of positives. I would just hate for injuries to start to wear on a start that has been – I mean, as good as imaginable, 25 and 11 yeah, again, that would have really them getting good. their 100th win in 144 games. They would be 144 if they continued this pace. And again, that would ultimately lead to 110, 112 wins. They've been tremendous. I would Absolutely. I would hate for these injuries to, to stack so far up against them. That kind of ruins what's what's been a really good team so far. Yeah, that's you really just don't want the injuries to ruin the momentum that the team has so far. Uh, you, it's like you get a couple guys back and then you lose a couple guys. So like that—that's the frustration because you know everybody sees it that this team is really good. It's just the frustration that not everybody's healthy. You don't have your full pitching rotation. You know you've had a couple injuries here and there. Arcia is just getting back. You're, you just got back. Um, uh, Michael Harris as well, yeah. um, and and um, also. Um, Rossell Iglesias, yeah, uh, Iglesias in the bullpen as your closer. So you, you, you're getting a bunch of guys back, and then, of course, you lose your two starting arms. So that's got to be frustrating if you're the Braves it's because the potential of this team is through the roof. Um, so not not having everybody, it, it, it is unfortunate. Um, and like like I've said before, just, just treading water as you get everybody back. Try to keep everybody that is on the roster right now as healthy as possible. Um, you don't want any issue with that, right? And just um, from there, just continue to fight like this team does and continue to uh, persevere through adversity. And uh, from there, um, hopefully they will be able to get to that 100-win mark and, and keep pace and get to 110 wins and, and you know, uh, do things like that because it's really cool uh, seeing that. So, yeah. And you've also do- – talking about injuries, man. Talking about dodging some bullets with Acuna. Right, uh, right. Exactly. Oh, the man. Goodness. On that hand, Gracious. yeah, it's fortunate because, I mean, his reaction to both of those, getting hit in the back of the shoulder and, and then also his leg. Uh, hitting his – looked like it hit around his kneecap yeah. off himself. That's high yeah. up. Usually when you foul it off yourself, it's down around the foot area. Right. He hit that all the way up at the knee area. Uh, so that has been fortunate in that regard. I'll tell you what I've, I've been proud of in, in a non-injury related note. I've been proud of the last couple weeks of outfield playing. Uh, from yeah. The guys. So, uh, Azuna aside, I mean, he's finally looking like a big league player last seven, 10 days. But even R- Rosario, who's now from 180s to 240s, Kevin Pillar hitting 270s off the bench, hit a big home run against the Orioles the other night. And Sam Hilliard, who's been a pleasant surprise sitting in the 270s, uh, has had some roped uh, gappers and hit a couple of long home runs. You know, that's the kind of outfield depth the Braves hoped they had uh, when they man. when they added those guys. I mean, Hilliard had not done much in Major League Baseball, but I, I remember hearing on the Braves broadcast that uh, listening to Joe Simpson on the radio on AM 1230 WAUD. Uh, how the brave they talked to the Braves and they said we can't figure out why this guy didn't hit there. He's got everything. He's got all the tools to be a great hitter. And then obviously Kevin Pillar. I mean that was a starter starting outfielder for the Blue Jays for a number of years. Started right. for the Mets uh, for a little while too. And he's just kind of towards the end of his career, but he's been a, a good big league player. So the Braves' depth has kind of flexed its muscles there. While Michael Harris was hurt, while Marcel Zuna was hitting. 
Ofer, I mean, literally Ofer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and now that Rosario and Azuna are starting to get it going, now you start to feel pretty wealthy in the outfit. I, I can't promise you that Azuna's going to end up being okay all year long. I mean, it's still ultimately sitting around 150. It's just better signs. A couple, you know, a few home runs the last week and a half. Had Turned RBI, up against the Marlins. Right. Had an RBI and a hit last night. So, again, you know, m- maybe, maybe he ends up being – uh, acceptable by the end of this thing, but but certainly at least you needed Rosario to get going, and you needed either Pilar or Hilliard to be a good get for you. And so far, again, I would again caution. I'm a sample size guy, and certainly for the likes of Pilar and Hilliard, who don't play as much as Rosario or Zuna does, uh, with only about 60 at bats. You know, I'm not going to assume that they're going to hit 270, 280 all year, but. If they could, that that would be a really nice uh, surprise because you know that Olsen's going to have the power. Acuna's been off to an MVP level start. So is Sean Murphy. You've honestly not loved Austin Riley early on this year. No, he's actually uh, not been very good. Um, he's been but, struggling. But I'll tell you, you loved Ozzy Albee so right. far this year in the Ozzie. run production that the smallest guy on the team is providing. So contributions up and down. The one thing that had not been going right for you uh, the first uh, four to five weeks was the outfield, and now you can start to say that's coming around too. So it is a complete Braves lineup. Again, mentioned fifth and runs, third and homers, uh, and, and that, of course, is going to get an even bigger workout here uh, in the coming weeks and months without some of the better pitching. So I guess last question before we go to break here. So bullpen day today. Dylan Lee's still not a starter. I think he right. did that some in the minor leagues maybe, but yeah. he's, I mean, he's still going to be out there an inning or two. He's not going to go like a starter so there's really two open rotation spots right now there is uh, obviously strider morton and elder that are still good to go i think it's schuster had been called back up uh so maybe i guess he's occupying one but i i think we're probably going to see the return of, of michael sir i can't believe i'm saying michael but that's how he wants to go by now not mike anymore uh, of michael soroka uh, I, I think that we might see him back with the Braves. Again, the expectations, I'm going to put him around the floor because the dude's been through hell. Yeah. Injury-wise, speaking of injuries, you starting in with Michael Soroka. Right. Uh, but that's going to be so exciting. If he gets this opportunity – um, after what three years of injuries, the prodigal son returns. Right, I mean, <laughs> like that was the guy. Like Dude, th- he, he thought like, he was going to be our ace. Yeah, man. I like, mean, no, he was, he was going first to be our ace. Be- yeah. Before Str- before Strider was firing ninety eight right. heat. Before Bryce Elder was coming up here mixing speeds. Hell, even before Max yeah, Freed was Freed all really the way Max on. Freed, yeah. it was Mike Soroka, and, and so now. I mean, it, it, he would be comeback player of the year if he even did my half goodness. of what he did oh the first gosh. couple of years that he was a Brave. Absolutely. It, uh, if he comes back and is is what we saw him in the past, which maybe he won't be, but if he, like you said, if he can just even be a fraction of that, um, uh, the Braves will be in, in a pretty solid position, I'd say, because then you, you have Soroka, you can work with what he's got. Um, excuse me, and... And then you get back your other two guys in right and and freed and you're really you really got a bullpen now you're really working with something especially like starting pitcher wise you really you really got something so um, this is really Soroka's opportunity to show that you know he still has it um, and he is the guy 
Um, and like you said, he has been through hell and, and, and he's back now. And so hopefully he's, you know, better on the other side for it. Um, I do hope he gets the opportunity. I hope he does well. Um, I think, you know, he's fought so hard to do it and to get back to this position that, um, you know, it, it would just be awful just to see him not be successful. So I, I just absolutely hope for the best for him. Um, not just because he's a, a brave, but just in general, just a player. Someone that, that goes yeah, through Yeah, I mean, that. a player right. that has been through so much ad, um, adversity through the past couple seasons um, that if he can just come back and, and um, play well and, and, and pitch well, um, it would be, should be really good to see um, as, a, as a Braves fan as just, and as just a lover of, of sports in general. Yeah, the, the comeback story from injuries because – Look, there, there's multiple ways to have a comeback, but there's others far more self-inflicted uh, than injuries. Injuries are sometimes the, the, the universe's luck versus being unlucky. And some guys have these careers in, in other sports and stuff where I feel like this is maybe more than – I mean, this is a topic in all the sports. You go down the line, football, basketball, and baseball, and find guys that maybe played in a reckless way but, but – kind of avoided injuries until the end versus guys that just had freak things happen to them that just just ended their primes and even their careers just prematurely of course that hits close to home in this community with one Bo Jackson and how that injury ended his prime at a premature age and and so like the injury sometimes like that is the most unlucky thing that can happen in terms of someone's career because you you know fortunately medicine has made things way more recoverable and if you do something once you usually come back from it people blow achilles now in basketball and they end up okay two years later which is just not was not going to happen 20 years ago same thing with the acl like ac acl to a football player or maybe a basketball player is almost like Tommy John to a yeah, baseball player yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. Where 20, 30 years ago, you were just and done. You're done. You, you might play again, but you're going to ride a bench somewhere. You're not going to be what you were uh, at all. And now you usually get one, and you're still going to be okay the first time. Now you yeah. can't keep doing it. No, you no. do it a second or third time. I mean, That's that, when you start to get really yeah, like Right. Late, lady luck will, yeah, will come upon you, but – but uh, you, you do that once. You tear an ACL. You have Tommy John once. You usually come back okay in some instances yeah. with, with no defects at all. And so uh, modern medicine has made things a lot better. But still, you, you have the rare case of a Michael Soroka where he's not pitched in multiple years because of multiple season-ending injuries. You root for a guy like that uh, to just be able to put together a career. Not very likely that he, he comes back to what he was before he got injured, but if he could just have a big league career after all that, that would that would be wonderful to see. We're going to take our next time out of the show. Back with more Sports Call right after this. Attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. What? My name is. What? My name is. Sports call. 
on Tiger 95.9. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning sports call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Beebe, Cam Berry. Shooting the breeze. Yeah. At, uh, well, about sports here on live radio, but also during the break about that SEC softball tournament situation, which they are still in a rain delay. Weather, not, not rain weather delay. Weather delay. delay. Uh, oh, the rain is on the way. But we think rain will happen at some point tonight. Yeah. And so, again, keep it locked into social media. Uh, and uh, however you might get your Auburn Tiger news, because there is now a growing possibility that that game does not happen at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Not because of anything going on necessarily with weather at that time tomorrow, but because they are not looking good to get all yep. these games in today. They they yep. might. <laughs> I, I'm going to say they'll get going again. I just don't think they'll be able to have time to get all two more in. games in, plus another inning or so of this game. Lord forbid it. Gets tied back up and goes to more innings. So, uh, d- a very interesting situation. So keep it locked in wherever you get your Auburn updates. And uh, again, right now scheduled for a nine forty-five airtime, ten o'clock first pitch between Auburn and surprise winner Ole Miss today. Uh, and again, if if any schedule changes happen on our end, we'll let you know. We'll go ahead and tell you that it's not a foregone conclusion. We have a show at all on Friday. Trying to, again, keep everyone in the loop here. And that is because of the fact that if Auburn is able to win against Ole Miss, let's say tomorrow, and and say these these games happen as planned, the scheduled start time for Friday's game is 3 o'clock, and they will be the first game of the day, so it would not change unless weather really messes with us here the next couple of days. So if they they play at 3 o'clock, we know softball games take two hours plus. Well, that would not get us on air till after 5 o'clock. I will not be here anyway, going to the beach for Mother's Day weekend with my family. Uh, we will not have a show Friday if there is an Auburn softball game being played at its regularly scheduled time. Right. So uh, also keep that in mind. And I just want to throw it out there in case something weird happens with scheduling tomorrow, tomorrow and Auburn ends up playing at like 2 o'clock and it cuts into our show tomorrow and just everything gets chaotic. I don't know. Uh, but uh, just throwing that out there that Friday, if Auburn beats Ole Miss tomorrow uh, and everything goes as scheduled, they would play at 3 o'clock Friday, two-hour-plus game with, with broadcast taking longer than that. We, we would not have a show on Friday. Starting to get in the waning minutes of this show here today. We don't have a wacky Wednesday planned uh, today, but we're going to get back on that in the coming weeks. And uh, we're going to have some food stuff. I want to work in movies somehow, but yes. that might might just be yeah. like a, I, I I don't know how if that's just called a movie Monday. I'm or, versed on all these things. Uh, yeah, we we want to get into it this summer, but we we just tried to make sure we do our due diligence on letting all this portal stuff shake out first. Yeah, uh, you have any big ideas for a wacky Wednesday, Tom? Um, well, I definitely did want to do some more of my story times because. Absolutely, we I th- will. I think people enjoy that. Yeah, I know. I know people did because we had people call in and say they did. No, uh, Ward MC was a big fan of it. Cool. Uh, that the last time was the uh, strange coincidences. Yes, I wish there were a lot of them. Yeah. Um, 
Oh man, I I definitely want to do. Uh, well, we've talked about trying to get JJ. Yes. On on a Wednesday, uh, I I want to do a hot sauce deal here. Yes. Oh what? Hot oh, sauce. No. I want to. I want to. I want to <laughs> start out at a very mild and progress up to a show enough tearjerker. Yeah. Cam, do you like hot sauce? No, Cam does not. Cam you don't not like big, hot sauce? Not a big fan of hot sauce. Not yeah. for real. So, not not huge into the into the hot sauce. This is kind of like hot ones. If anyone out there right. watches that uh, YouTube <laughs> show, uh, Love where they hot get ones. they get celebrities on there and they athletes, ask the and, best questions. Yeah, ask great questions while their mouth is being consumed by fiery wings. Yep. Uh, which is in life, like that's a pretty fun idea. Is let's eat fiery food and talk deep absolutely genius i don't know how good it would come across on the radio because a lot of the hot sauce stuff is seeing the face yeah. and seeing the the sweat and the snot and the tears i and bet you could hear it in the voices though. see that's the so thing that, yeah because okay inside baseball for everyone jj's still around he's still our dear friend we don't know when but this summer he's going to be back on the show right. and my idea is that it's going to be on a Wednesday. It's going to be a wacky Wednesday. We're going, to some, we're going to give you an hour where, hey, how you been? Let's talk sports. And we're going to give you an hour of, you know, let's just goof off like old times. But we're trying to figure out what the best wacky Wednesday to do. JJ has the most hilarious responses to hot flavored things. The problem is, Tom, the hot flavored things I'm referring to are like spicy Doritos and and like, and like a Cajun sauce or something. I'm not talking like generic hot wing sauces. I'm talking like, this is what we deem spicy flavored chips and other types of food that are, are not traditionally spicy. So in one sense, his reactions would be worth the price of admission of which of course is free to listen to the show, but would be awesome even to hear because he's going to be like just, into the microphone and like crying for milk and and all that stuff. (laughs) But the problem is if we do that to him, the first time he comes back, he might never come back. That's a, that could be a scarring experience. Cause I know you're talking hot, hot things. And by the way, I only like generic hot things. If we start going like extra hot and stuff depends on the place with me. Cause sometimes extra hot's still okay. Sometimes I'll start to hurt. So the hot sauces that you're probably talking about, as your smile is very wry and assuming right here, is is going to get us all in trouble at some point, I'm thinking. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to do that to myself either. It, now, the, I would – progressing up the hot sauces, sure. Like the last one is going to be – would be – Yeah, hurtful. Very painful hot <laughs> sauce. But, I mean, it, <laughs> yes, it's painful. not – we're not going to be – trying a bunch of painful hot sauces so it, it's just kind of climbing that ladder up to it kind of like they do on the hot ones right um of course you know even the climb the, that scoville ladder well yes but also i would say like on hot ones again if you watch it most of them are even the the tamer sauces that these Those people are seem to seem to do okay with they're Hotter than your average hot. I mean, they're, no, they're, they're not. That's no Tabasco hot, sauce on there. Sauce three and four are already like way above. In the million Scoville unit yeah. type. Yeah. So I I would be nervous. I would be down for it. I just don't know if, if JJ Week, whenever that might be, right. is, we, is the right one. But we've also, we've talked about trying to do a, uh, not taste testing, but uh, guessing 
uh, what was it? Was it chicken fingers? We were yeah. Since yes. Auburn, Auburn is flooded with chicken fingers. Oh, um, I'm super down for yeah, this. Cam's like, it's not peeps and it's not spicy. I'm in. Um, there's <laughs> so many chicken places in the area. Yeah, and that's great for people that like chicken. I like chicken. I think we all like chicken here. Yes. Uh, which hence why a lot of the area likes chicken and why there's a lot of chicken. But we're thinking about doing like a blind taste test. Of chicken tenders from the actual chicken tender place. Not like prone in like, hey, you know, Captain D's has some no, chicken no, no, fingers right. that look like they're fish. No, we're like, talking about, like the, like the Zaxby's. We're talking about, we're yeah, talking about yeah. Zaxby's, Fusaklis. Zaxby's, Guthrie's. Yep. Guthrie's. Yeah. Uh, the new place, Rocco's over there, Moore's Mill. Uh, oh, Jim I, Bob's. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it used to be Louie's. Used to oh, be Louie's. Yeah, yeah, okay, and yeah. It's called Rocco's? Yeah, I, I don't know hmm. what happened with with Louie's, but it is now. it's still a chick place. But it's branded a little differently. Had that with Brooks last week, actually. And that's kind of what sparked, sparked this, because we were like, hey, this is another chicken place. What's it by? Uh, it's in Moore's Mill. It's near Publix. It's, okay. it's where Louie's was. Okay, okay, so okay. There's a gas station gotcha. there. Uh, one of the, the Johnny Brusco's locations is over there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Yep. A haircut place right beside it. And so... That's on the rich side of town. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, <laughs> so we want to have all those places like that and do a blind chicken finger taste, taste test where someone else that's that's not on the show is bringing them in, and we're just trying them. We're going to rank which ones we like, and we're going to try and guess where they came from. I'm so down. I think so. A, that I'm has thr- to be a show that also Brant is on. I was about to say, I'm going to throw someone under the bus here. Has to be If Brant's on the show, he's not getting one wrong. Oh no! He's I don't not think getting so one wrong. He eats them a lot. I'm also professional be, chicken finger. I would eating. ask that if he if he is on the show, I'd ask that he go last uh, because he's going to know every place. Yeah, I think I'm going to know a couple places, but some of them can get kind of cool, like the Jim Bob, the Jim Bobs, and the Roccos and the stuff, yeah. and maybe even Guthrie to some degree would kind of blend together a little bit for me because I've just had them less in my life. I've had right. Zaxby's. 787 times. Right. I don't know. Same. Like, like if I don't understand a Zaxby's chicken tender by now, it's never happened. Right. Exactly. Um, so, and, and maybe I would understand Fusakli's on, on first, first guess, too. But that's an idea we're having. And also, to some degree, we're trying to figure out, um, again, just we love food and beverage on the show. True. Um, some sort of soda challenge where, again, blind taste tests like can you actually tell pepsi and coke can you tell can you tell the versions of the diet stuff like can you go pepsi diet pepsi pepsi zero and coke diet coke coke uh coke zero and and i don't know how extensive we'll get it might have to break it up in a couple tries but like go through one brand's everything Go through like the twelve million flavors of of mountain dew that exist that tom brings us put put me in a mountain dew exactly or, or go through the very – there's a million players of Coke out there. Um, and, and do one of those. Can we actually guess which version of, of that drink it is? So there's a lot of different things that we are trying to cook up and work on. And uh, they're definitely summer-type topics because, you know, I don't think that – There's not a lot going on during the summer. There's not a lot going on in the summer. I also think that if we're game week of Auburn and LSU, probably not doing an hour on Coke. <laughs> you know, at that point, yeah, true. or not doing an hour on chicken, uh, certainly can still say the words at some point, but probably not dedicating almost half a show to it. So we got some fun, wacky Wednesday things coming up that we are going to have throughout the season. Then we'll have more story time and and, and and stuff like that. We'll also bring back Town Name Tuesday. It, uh, it did not die off. We had a good one around uh, March Madness. 
involved, oh, yeah, involving the uh, the states that Auburn could be involved in there uh, playing in the NCAA tournament. So uh, we still got a lot of fun things ahead that we're excited about. We also got a couple new, couple new games to introduce uh, or, or segments, and uh, we're, we're we're about to we're we're days away basically from kind of starting all this talking stuff season. Yep, uh, to just just filling time and filling new segments and. We'll have some ranking lists, of course. You know, top ten coaches right now, top ten quarterbacks, top you know, top top list, top list, and all that good stuff. So, uh, all that's coming up this summer on Sports Call. I just feel like I just did a, like a long promo. Like, yeah. hey, stay tuned. Like, I thought like, it was pretty good. Thank you, man. Uh, but we're I'm certainly going to enjoy the food parts of it. it Facts. But uh, I'm not doing this out of a place of oh, do I have to eat a bunch of chicken? No, no. no. <laughs> you know, the hot Gladly. sauce will be will be a little scary at the end there. But again, we'll we'll uh, we'll get through it together. It'll be some be some good content. We. Look forward to bringing you some creative stuff all summer long. We're about out of time for the show today. One final break. Come back with the nightly TV guide, and we'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here. Final minute or two of the program. Had a lot of uh, different topics today at the end there, especially when we talked a little weather because of softball. <laughs> Programming throughout the summer. It's going to happen. Some wacky Wednesday ideas. And uh, we're looking forward to having a good uh, summer of shows here even despite the, the lack of collegiate athletics taking place. Final minute or two of the show, time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tonight, more NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, 6 o'clock, Toronto Maple Leafs, Florida Panthers. That one on ESPN. I think Florida's up 3-0 or 2-1. Let me double-check that. I know Florida won the two in uh, Toronto. And, they yeah, they won game three in Sunrise. So the Panthers can uh, sweep the Maple Leafs, yep. uh, which is usually what you do to Leafs. Um, and so we'll <laughs> see if Panthers can do that. Uh, also, 6-20, Bowling Sports South. Atlanta Braves, Boston Red Sox. Again, bullpen game for the Braves. Quick two-game series trying to, trying to sweep the Red Sox. NBA 6:30. Miami Heat can close out the New York Knicks on the road. They lead three games to one. Game five tonight, 6:30 on TNT. Also on TNT at nine o'clock tonight, the Los Angeles Lakers can 
bounce the defending champ Golden State Warriors in Chase Center. That one, 9 o'clock on TNT. A couple movie picks for you, too. 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon Hotel, Transylvania. And 6.03, because you're allergic to the top of the hour sci-fi, is Jurassic Park 3. That's 6.03. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Tom, thank you for being here throughout the week. Hope you have a good rest of the week. We'll only see you one time next week, but we look forward to it. I look forward to being back for my one day next week. Yes, sir. Short and sweet. And then Canberry, thank you for being here. We'll see you again Friday if If, we have a show. Tentative Friday. But uh, thank you for being here today, sir. Glad to be here. And, of course, we thank Britt Bone of the Auburn Sports Network, the voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball, for joining us on the program today. And we thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.